Welcome back to another episode of Knowing God with Heart and Mind, the regular visit to the, almost said weekly again, that regular visit to the virtual church classroom at Shiloh United Methodist Church in Jasper, Indiana. And we are studying a book, uh, a course written by Mr. Matt Rawl, and it's called The Salvation of Doctor Who. This is a virtual church classroom, so you have to get the book and uh, follow along if you want to do this right. And of course, we would uh, like to honor the author and the publisher by encouraging you to purchase the book. However, we are not going to cover it as thoroughly and as completely as you would if you were in a classroom setting with other people having multiple inputs and so forth. So uh, we give due credit to the author, but we also can assure him that we're not reproducing this thing in the whole and in uh, its entirety. So anyway, all that being said, I just hope that you really like talking about Doctor Who, because uh, if not, some of this might seem a little weird to you, but stay with it anyway, because you don't have to become a Doctor Who fan to see where it's going. Um, this is episode two, and this is being recorded on January 17th, 2020. Bethany, before we start into this week's lesson, a one-minute overview of the premise of Doctor Who, please. One minute. Doctor Who is about an alien time traveler who travels around in a police box that flies through space and time, and he always has a human companion. He's had alien companions before, but he always has a human companion, and he is essentially a force for good. He's like a superhero who tries to stop bad aliens and bad humans from doing things that will cause evil and destruction in the world. There you go. That's a pretty good summary. Important thing to keep in mind, as Bethany said, that it is a, uh, he has a time traveling machine, which is really important. And what's really neat about this one is that it visits, it, it, let me re rephrase that. His time machine isn't something that moves linearly through time like most story you know like like hg uh, wells time machine um it really was just sort of a linear machine it just it sat in the same place and moved through time or time passed by it while it sat there it just depends on your perspective and and what's cool about the tardis is is that it it doesn't just move in a linear way it moves all over space and time mm -hmm. and it's able to do so because its operating system is inside the box which is literally outside the box of space and time mm -hmm. so that's that's the idea he he's the one in case you're not familiar with it he's that one that travels around in the big blue police box um so there's your story. I just realized I didn't introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Dan, and this is my daughter, Bethany. And we are talking about, this time, a, uh, 
a kind of interpretation of Doctor Who's version of cause and effect, and that should be really interesting, I think. But before we start, let us pray. Each week we have an opening prayer, and I'd like to share that now. Lord, as we continue this study, give us wisdom, patience, and humility. Thank you for this online body of people and for the opportunity for all of us to come together through this unique medium to reflect on what we as Christians can learn from popular culture and science fiction. And we ask that you bless our time so that we might learn from Scripture, from stories, and from one another. Amen. So, uh, this chapter should make you very happy, Bethany, because it references probably the best episode of the modern iteration of yeah, there's only, Doctor Who. There's only one other episode that I love maybe a little more than Blink, and that's The Doctor's Wife. I would agree with you there. Um, but this one is pretty awesome. Yes. It's called Blink, and it is a... Uh, it, it's where the the kind of uh, popular phrase for Whovians, uh, that, that time has a certain wibbly-wobbliness to it, mm-hmm. uh, a sort of timey-wimey thing. And, and what Doctor Who means for people to understand is, is that time isn't linear, that, right. that, that it doesn't move in a straight line. Yeah. And the most significant thing that we take away from, from Blink that is, is significant, it's most, you know... <laughs> A few more of these and I'm going to start over. The most significant thing that we take away from that episode as Christians is the understanding that in most human reason, there's always a cause and an effect. And so Matt Rawls says in the book, he said, you know, it's like if if someone tells a joke at the table and you laugh and it causes you to to, uh, guffaw to an extent that you knock your glass off the table and it falls to the floor and it breaks, then you would say that A, the joke was the cause and the gesture of laughter and the broken glass were the effect. And what he says is, is but if you think it through, you know, who originally told the joke? Who originated the joke? And how did this person who told it come to know the joke and then what was what were the circumstances that led them to tell the joke and so he's simply saying that once you start trying to to apply cause and effect to everything it gets a little bit more complicated and it's also one that's like one of the chief reasons why we can love time travel and think it's awesome but it also scientifically can't happen and part of it is because of, well, my favorite science fiction author coined the phrase, but it's the whole cause and effect thing, the butterfly effect mm-hmm. thing. Um, you can't fiddle, you can't fiddle with time. Um, in the same way that some of these really awesome things like Doctor Who talk about, humans can't because of cause and effect. Mm-hmm. No, you're, you're right on. In fact, uh the uh the one of the things the doctor says is that there are certain 
uh, fixed points, things that just can't change yeah. once they've happened. And yeah. other things, you can move around them. Uh, Blink does an amazing job of expressing that concept. Oh, yeah. So the gist of it is that in Rawls' uh, writing is that if we're going to interpret this uh, sort of timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly Doctor Who idea of, of time and space and cause and effect, that means we need to look at the history of Christianity and really the history of God's relationship with God's people. So basically, the Bible. And in the Bible, we see events that weren't caused. Mm -hmm. We see what we would call miracles. And here, by way of an example, um, how does how does one explain the miracle of the fishes and the loaves unless there's an understanding that something was made from nothing? You see, and there's the fundamental nature of God in that because when the Bible says at the very start of it, in the beginning, God. What it's saying is, is before anything, there was God, and God caused everything to be, and God made something from nothing. Yeah. So some things, as the Bible informs us, don't have causes. Um, when the fishes and the loaves happens, Jesus says, what do you have? They've got a little boy's lunch, basically, and Jesus causes something that wasn't there to be there and the effect is is all those people got something to eat and so that's where he's going with this he's just trying to say and what's really cool and honestly i don't remember this line from the show but rawls describes a time in uh, an episode of doctor who where he encounters a creature that doesn't fit his understanding of how the universe works Oh, that's a great episode. Because for him, the idea that something existed before anything existed was not part of the mix. Mm -hmm. But to Doctor Who's credit, this is what he says. I believe I haven't seen everything. I don't know. It's funny, isn't it? The things you make up. The rules. If that thing had said it came from beyond the universe, I'd believe it. But before the universe? Impossible doesn't fit my rule still that's why i keep traveling to be proved wrong mm -hmm. listen i'm not suggesting that you put something other than bible verses in your bible but i'm telling you right now if you put that doctor who quote in your bible it will help a lot because one of the problems that most people have when they read scripture or hear it talked about is their own assumptions they're always trying to make what they read in the Bible or hear about God and Christ, the Holy Spirit, fit their assumptions. Well, and not just the Bible. We do it with everything. Well, sure we do. You want to make the world conform to what makes sense to you. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting because if I were trying to like, you know, and, and this is this is a certain kind of... of uh, what do you call it? Christology. There's certain things that people do if they're really steeped in scripture and it's kind of fun. 
they call it typing and it just really means that sometimes you watch a movie and you go oh that character is a type of christ he he's he's you know not perfect or anything like jesus but in the sense that he is a, a kinsman redeemer yeah, you know like the savior character yeah like, but what I've noticed with Doctor Who is, is he he or she, because presently Doctor Who's a she, mm-hmm. the Doctor can't really be typed, in my opinion, with Scripture. I don't think, I think the closest character to the Doctor might be the wise men from the Epiphany story, you know? Um, and the reason I say that is because they're open-minded seekers. Yeah. And they're reverent about everything they don't understand, and they seek to understand. So he's, if he's a type of any character in the Bible, I'd say he's like the the Persian wise men from the East. He's he's a seeker, and he is pleasantly surprised when he's wrong, because it's okay to be wrong about things and to even admit that you were wrong about them especially if they make you wiser Mm -hmm. and the one thing that we all seem to agree on about doctor who is he's probably the wisest person in the universe simply because of his years and all the things he's seen but implicit in that is is that he's always been willing to have his mind open to the things he didn't understand yeah, I was just about to say, because not that any of my teens are listening, but if they decide to, that'd be great. Because our theme this month in um, Deeply Rooted in Branches and Blooms, which is our youth ministry, is wisdom. And we've been talking about what makes a person wise and how that's different from smarts. And one of the things we landed on was that a wise person reserves judgment and is super open-minded to a point. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's like, that's, that's the key. I think with the doctor is that the doctor isn't even when his so-called rules are challenged mm-hmm. in his own mind, instead of going, oh, well, then this can't be, he says, okay, time for a rewrite. Um, so that yeah. goes right along. I just, it goes right along with what we're talking about this month in Sunday school and sure, friendship sure. and learning. So that's uh, good. And, and the next question really, um, that we're going to discuss is this, you know, when you think, and, and so this is a thought exercise for the listeners and you and I will try to flesh it out in our unique setting here. But, but the thought exercise is basically, you know, how, how how do you remember times in your life when you had certain assumptions about things and you found that they were challenged effectively so that you had to admit that you were wrong and you had never thought of it that way and i'm not talking about human relations where you know you accuse somebody i mean it is the same but i want you to think more in terms instead of your your like you know blaming your kid for breaking something and then finding out they didn't do it. I'm not really talking about that. In this case, I'm talking about broad assumptions. Um, Assuming that everybody that lives in a certain neighborhood is of a certain type of nature. Mm -hmm. Um, The whole wrong side of the tracks thing. I mentioned that it's also on the podcast because it's from our Wednesday night class. I just mentioned that in some places... There is a wrong side of the tracks and a right side of the tracks, but it doesn't mean that everybody lives on one side or the other is one way or another. 
So we all have to have our prejudices challenged. We all have to have our assumptions challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, but have you ever had an experience where you were really surprised? You know, where you just said, gosh, I never saw that coming. And now I'm going to have to make sure that I'm never blindsided by that reality again. And that could be a very pleasant experience. You know, when when that has happened to you, can can you think of it right now? You know, what what's something that comes to mind in that moment? that at this moment when you think about a time when that was going on in your life you know it's kind of amazing because that's that is one of the secrets i believe to getting where you want to be with christ is is when christ surprises you mm-hmm. when when all of a sudden your jesus is not uh little baby on Christmas time and a suffering saint on a cross at Easter time and a resurrected Lord uh, or, you know, Good Friday and then resurrected Lord on Easter. And, and uh, you know, where Jesus isn't like the, the little bobblehead that they or the little statue that's been, you know, uh, sort of iconic in a lot of comedy shows and things like that. And where Jesus is winking his eye and giving you a thumbs up or something. And, and, you know, that's not Jesus. And at some point, maybe because a good storytelling pastor gave you an image of Jesus you'd never considered before, did you walk out of church saying, oh my gosh, I, I never thought of Jesus that way before. I never thought of that story that way before. This is what we're talking about. Well, I think you heard a couple of my moments if you go, like... Those that listened to Mere Christianity, there were a couple of times yeah. where I was like, hey, all right. Um, and not because this is the topic of this episode, but um, going back to youth group, we're also, we just started an apologetic series for our Wednesday night class. And very, very, like, we have barely started it. Um, but one of the first things that we did talk about was grounding our understanding of the reality of God is the first step in being able to even be successful at apologetics. And so we were talking about that, what our reality of God is and what we think some of our culture's assumptions about God is. And it ended, we ended up talking and pulled, I pulled CS Lewis in cause I can't help myself. Hmm. Um, but we were talking about time and that was definitely one of my assumptions that was, I guess you could say challenged, but in a really pleasant way because it makes so much more sense to me now was that God completely exists out time outside of our time and space. Um, and I think Lewis does an amazing job of explaining that in mere Christianity. But, I agree. Um, I agree. And, and the other concept that, that goes right along with that, you'll get there with these kids, I'm mm-hmm. sure, because it's something that comes up regularly when I go down that road with adults. And that is is that the, one of the first things you have to be willing to grasp in order to begin to enter into a much richer relationship with God is that God is the creator mm-hmm. and we are the created yeah. and that God is wholly apart from what God created. Yeah. That, that we have a tendency to just assume that God looks like us. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God made us in God's image, and that doesn't mean the same thing. And what we have to really wrap our minds around is what, uh, what is, what is it 
what does it mean to be in a relationship, an intimate relationship with a spirit being, for lack of a better description, that is entirely existent outside of our space and time. Mm -hmm. And only and, and not only that, but entirely separate. You know, we don't share any DNA with God. That's the whole majesty of what God did by becoming Jesus incarnate, it, it, becoming God incarnate through Jesus is is that he he takes on some of our dna but prior to that he didn't mm -hmm. and so and and you know folks new series when i say he yeah i'm not assigning gender to god it's just a, a conversation uh, that tool. that exact question did come up on wednesday night good one of our very wonderful students said so if we're made in God's image, what does that actually mean? Because obviously it means it doesn't mean that we all look like him because we all look different in our DNA. They, so so they're awesome. They were already on that well, one. Well, I know your kids and they're good. <laughs> you got some real thinkers in there. So Maybe but, a few stinkers, but mostly thinkers. <laughs> mostly thinkers. Um, but yeah, it was really the, the thought, the reason the time thing came up is because somebody said, well, I feel like one of the assumptions and the questions people ask is, well, if God is this good, all-powerful, supreme being, then why do all these really terrible things happen to people? So we started talking about how God doesn't let those things happen. God exists outside of time. Hmm. So he can't... Um, just basically what we talked about yeah. when we talked about C.S. Lewis and the time thing with mere Christianity, but you know, I, it, it links into this really well. I was, I was talking with somebody the other day um, because... I don't know, it's complicated because we were talking about things that are going on in the United Methodist Church right now and, mm -hmm. you know, the possibility that one day I'll be introducing this podcast as the virtual church classroom at Shiloh. And I was just saying, you know, theologically, I've always considered myself a Wesleyan, but the longer I live, the more I think I'd be better to be described as a, as a Lewisian. Um, I think my theology is much more in line with C.S. Lewis's than it is with Wesley, which isn't to say that I'm not aligned with Wesley. I just think my, the my, my theology comes, becomes more complete when I mix my beliefs with Wesley's and Lewis's. And as a scholar, I had the responsibility at one point to you know, evaluate the various popular doctrines and dogmas mm -hmm. and choose why I would uh, would part with some mm -hmm. and align with others. It doesn't mean that Christ isn't the center of everything in my life. It just means that when you're looking for a language and you're looking for people who have shared that language, will share that language with you, you know, I'm I'm Wesleyan. I mean, this week's sermon is written very in a very Wesleyan way, and it communicates uh, Wesley Wesley. There I go again. It's my mouth and my mind are not in sync very much today. I it communicates Wesley's uh, means of grace and and the various kinds of grace that Wesley. You know, so it it's in the message, although I never say the words in so many ways. But but when I think about how I interpret a lot of other things, Wesley would have had an answer probably because he wrote everything because he was insane about how he wrote everything down. So you can't ever say, well, Wesley never said that because you could probably find it. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, 
there are things that he wouldn't explain as plainly as Jack. And that's what I love about Jack mm -hmm. is he makes it simple. Yes. And, and I, I've read some interesting things about him recently, you know, some of his more unusual beliefs and things, you know, did you know that Jack believes in, in, uh, believed in purgatory, hmm. you know, and, and he was not Catholic. It was not something like that. He just, he just believed that there was, and if you read, um, the great divorce, mm -hmm. He basically describes it. Yeah. He he describes this place where people aren't quite ready to get on the bus. And, and even when they get on the bus, they're not there yet. And, yeah. And I don't know that he's completely off his rocker. In fact, I found The Great Divorce to be very comforting in a lot of ways when I heard it and read it. But but what's interesting is, is that, that even when I hear some of the things that he believed that some people might find hard to believe, he believed. They don't trouble me either. So... Just as an aside, I yeah. think I think I too got a great deal out of doing the C.S. Lewis Mere Christianity study with mm -hmm. you. So after this one, we should probably go do another C.S. Lewis. I have thoughts probably. about which ones I want to do. Well, I do too. <laughs> I've already communicated how much I like The Great Divorce, but I know some people have tried to read it and really had trouble with it, which means if we did it, it might help True. them. On the other hand, they might say, I don't want to do that. So... You know, but you and I will have to talk off the air. Back to Doctor Who yes. and the salvation of Doctor Who. Um, Mr. Rawls would like us to read the following passage from the Gospel of John. It is the story of Philip and Nathaniel. The next day, Jesus decided to leave the, for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. That's really important, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. This is so funny. It's like Jesus knew. And and his greeting is kind of hilarious if you think about it. Because Nathaniel says, well, how do you know me? Nathaniel asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus said, You believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. And then he added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's such a great story. And yeah, if anyone thinks that Jesus did not have a sense of humor. Oh my gosh. Man, he was downright sassy. I have a feeling that Philip and Andrew and Peter were standing behind him just... <laughs> I would be like, you know, go, pal. You know, you, you really set yourself up to get zingered by the king of zingers, you know. He, you know. But, uh, but, but here's what's really interesting about that story. So what, what did... Um, what was it that Jesus had on Nathaniel that made him so sure, made Nathaniel so sure that this was the Christ, the Son of Louis? I mean, his confession is the same one that Jesus made, or Peter, Peter made, <laughs> folks.
It's all, it's right. all good. Most of you know me, so this is just pretty typical. But his confession is the same one Peter made, yeah. and, and that's pretty amazing when you think about it. Um, and so how was it that Jesus... How was it that Jesus revealing he saw Philip under the fig tree was uh, an indication to Philip that this was a supreme being, that this was someone who was far beyond a normal human being? Well, what you just said, like, if somebody said that to me, either I'd think someone told them where I was or I'd be like, well, do you have, like, spy cameras? How do you, you know, like, and Jesus is just like, yeah, you were over there. I saw you over there. But more than that, I mean, I'm just talking about making it really drive home the fact that, that Peter, uh, that, that Nathaniel. <laughs> One of those guys. Nathaniel was like God. Here's what I think. I, I think Nathaniel might have been praying. I think he mm-hmm. might have been, you know, because Jesus' greeting is sort of a joke, but it's also an acknowledgement, you know, he's saying, you know, Nathaniel, you're you're a good guy, you know, you got this right. And, and so here's what I'm going to say. And, and, you know, there are Bible studies written on this passage and that's not what we're doing right Mm -hmm. now, but let's just suppose that you live in a linear space time like we do. And you, you are sitting under your tree in a very private place, talking to God and knowing that no one's around and and no we don't have spy satellites at this time and we don't have long range cameras yeah. or anything we we know that if we're in a private place by ourselves talking to god that probably no one else is going to be aware of it and then we are talking to god about how it feels like the time is right for the messiah to come and lord i really want to see the messiah lord if it's your will i want to meet the messiah and i i wish you could send me a sign today that that this plan is coming through because i keep hearing these things that maybe the messiah is here and i just need to know for sure and so nathaniel's praying like that and then his friend comes and says hey i've met the messiah you need to come check him out and 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 nathaniel is troubled by his assumptions because he thinks well now if he's the messiah he's not going to come from nazareth (laughs) my goodness you know that's ridiculous no nothing good comes from there and and so then when he meets him, Jesus says, Hey Nathaniel, I heard your prayer, and I am who you're looking for. And Nathaniel's just like, Ten four, got it. Yeah. I'm God. I mean, because he knows and, and so how's this connect with Doctor Who? Who else but someone who can move outside of space and time can be physically present with the people and yet have knowledge that could only come from a supernatural outside of space and time present. So, so Jesus is before the resurrection, Jesus isn't passing through walls or anything like that. That doesn't happen until after the resurrection, but he does have an intimate connection with the father and the spirit. And so he gets this communique. Yeah. You're about to meet a guy who really needs to meet you. And he's been, and, and more than that, we don't know that Jesus didn't experience Nathaniel's prayer before he became incarnate. Mm -hmm. Because if we're really thinking about time and space, the way this study means for us to, then we need to understand that certain things could appear to happen simultaneously that we wouldn't really be able to wrap our mind around. But if you are not limited by space and time, (coughs) God bless you. Thanks. 
if you're not limited by space and time, then you could have heard that prayer, you know, 35 years earlier in human time before it's, you were carnate. It's the wibbly wobbly. That's right. And or on another show that is pretty great in talking about time travel, it's the Jeremy Barry. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. We haven't gotten back to any references. Actually, I don't think I've referenced The Good Place on this show. Oh, you did in church I did one in a time, sermon once. I was once. really excited because it's a show that would probably actually be a fascinating study. Yeah. Well, you know, somebody, maybe you, could write, <laughs> a, just like Matt Rawls did, you could write a book study, or I mean a Bible study, on, on The Good Place. Um, I have to admit, you know, I was pretty, and I'm saying this because the people who listen to this and don't listen to the sermons mm-hmm. might not know I said this, but I have to admit that I was very resistant to watching that show because I just thought it would be a mockery. Mm-hmm. And it's actually like Doctor Who, one that really makes you think. It's a very thought provoking show for a sitcom. And it's done with some great very, humor. Yeah. And, and I have to admit, you know, um, and what I, what I think it can do for Christian witnesses, just like this study, why should you study, you know, why should you watch Doctor Who and do this Bible study with us? Well, and if you're not a fan, mm-hmm. and the answer is, is because you might know a fan. And if you can sit down and have a conversation with that fan, especially if it's a kid in your house mm-hmm. uh, or a grandchild, if you can sit down with that fan and you can say, you know, what's really cool about Doctor Who's time machine is he it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside because when you step through the door, you step out of space and time as you understand it and into something that's beyond space and time. And that's how I understand heaven. That's how I understand the place where God lives, you know? And when I read the Bible, I see how, uh, because of Dr. Who, I can imagine how John at Patmos was able to step off the island and into the future. And isn't it an amazing thought to think that heaven is like here? Yeah. Like it's right. It's just it's right just there, you know. It's on the other side of a dimensional doorway. Yeah. So yeah. so you know, I I would encourage you to to study popular culture um cautiously, but understand that if you want to be a Christian witness to people who are steeped in popular culture, then you have to help them reframe the stories they hear. Mhm in a Christian way so that they begin to see that the, the Christian story is far more interesting and far more trustworthy than they thought. And the good place is a great example of that. Um, well, they, and just to bring it back around full circles so it doesn't feel like I totally bounced us off track. They talk about time and how human understanding of time is very linear, but, and they call it the Jeremy Bear Me, which is just ridiculous, and that's the kind of show it is. But it's the same thing as the wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Well, and they call or, it that because they write it on yeah. a, a, a chalkboard or something, and they show you how the all the letters tie together that, that you write the whole Jeremy Bear Me thing without ever picking up your pen. <laughs> and that's what it looks like. And that's what time looks like. But, but it's, try that at home. <laughs> Get a whiteboard, get a piece of paper, draw it with your finger in the air, and just write Jeremy Barramy all ridiculous. without picking up your pen or your pencil or your chalk or your marker. And then imagine that time travels on a line like that. Except for the little dot on the eye. That's separate. That's right. I remember them talking yeah. about that. But anyway, the whole point of both of those things and how it relates to God and Christ is that 
they're not in that line. They are the wobbly, wibbly wobbly mashup of time, and they're the Jeremy Bearme that's just this like existing everywhere all the time at once. Mm-hmm. Which means, which is why I was talking to the kids about it. We can't say God lets bad things happen to people who are good because he knows that it might happen, but he's also experiencing it right then happening. Like there's no linear progression like it is for us, which means that there's a really good chance that Jesus knew exactly how certain conversations were going to go down because he'd already seen and experienced them because he didn't. He didn't get to experience... I mean, that's a really wild thought, is he ex- existed outside of time and space and then all of a sudden came to Earth and had to experience linear time. I bet that was a trip for him. Oh, I, I can't even conceive of it. And yet, he must have had, you know, because of his intimacy with the Father and the Spirit, he had this sort of grounding correlation between our reality which isn't all that real when you think about it. Mm-hmm. And the reality, which is outside of space and time, um, we do live in a sort of terrarium. Yeah. We, we really do. Uh, we, live, we live on a planet that is governed by nature and forces that are beyond our control and, and by our concept of time. But, mm-hmm. and, and so here's a thought exercise. I, I remember um, trying to explain time travel uh, I think it was actually to your mother one day when we were on a walk and I, and so I want you to just imagine that you are on top of a very steep hill and to get to the bottom, you have to walk through a series of switchbacks, which means you're going to move to the right to a certain extent. And then you're going to move to the left to a certain extent. And then you're going to move to the right and you're going to make like a Z mm-hmm. and a perpetual Z until you get to the bottom of the hill. And this is how you safely travel from the top of the hill to the bottom of the hill. And imagine that one of your companions decides they're going to take a shortcut and go straight down the hill. And so they start to step off and then they tumble and roll overhead, bouncing off of everything and going boom, 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 boom. They will arrive at the future destination before you. Probably dead. But the point is, is that if we are moving in a timeline that zigzags back and forth and someone cuts straight through it, they've traveled ahead of us in time. And that's the way to think about time and the idea of time travel. And that, I think, kind of helps you understand that, uh, you know, you could, and what, what Dr. Who's machine can do is it can go straight across time or it can go down and then cut to the left and meet you at a certain point. Or it can go down and cut to the right and meet you at a certain point. And, and well, supposing that the, the angels of heaven and, and the, the spirit of God being outside of space and time and do the same thing. And just, just be mm-hmm. at any moment. And that explains the whole concept of... Uh, you know, like Moses being in front of the burning bush. And and I've always contended whether I can prove this or not, that that uh, I think when Jesus met with God, Mo- Moses, huh? It's in this book. When, I don't know if, because... I haven't read ahead far enough well, yet. Well, no, huh? I have noticed that your leader guide is not exactly 
like they're they're in line but they're different oh and he brings that up too yeah that an example of how god exists outside of time is when jesus is on the mount of transfiguration and then moses and elijah Elijah are there there. and And moses and elijah both had experiences experiences like that why couldn't they all be happening at the same time and he points out like that you know it says like the lord's passing by yeah and yeah what do you know so he brings that up too and i've always thought that's a really like that that's one that's always kind of blown my mind is that they might be Mm -hmm. standing there talking in their own time Mm -hmm. together moses comes away from that meeting with his plan yeah Elijah comes away from that meeting with his plan and Jesus comes away from that meeting with his plan. And the three guys that are up there watching are going, huh? Yeah. This is what's going on. And they pass out because what else are you going to do? So yeah, it's pretty cool. And and I think it's entirely relevant to our study. So, so that pretty much brings us to the end of this one. So the things that I hope you take away from this uh, particular lesson is that you would understand that timekeeping plays an essential role in our lives. We have we have completely immersed ourselves in, in a world that is managed by time. Um, missionaries will tell you that when you travel to certain parts of the world where people don't have clocks and you say, well, we're all going to get together tomorrow, that doesn't really mean anything, and you sure wouldn't say we're going to get tomorrow. We're going to, we're, you wouldn't say tomorrow we're going to get together at three o'clock. Um, gatherings just happen until everyone's there, and gatherings end when everyone's not. Yeah, and that's that's a a pace that that modern people are not able to wrap their minds around. Mm-hmm. And when you take Westerners and take them to foreign countries, especially third world countries, um. Westerners have got to really dial it down or they're going to be so offended and offensive, Mm -hmm. you know, because because the whole sense of, you know, time and everything is different. And that's not a bad thing. You know, I think everyone needs to do that. So so an exercise that listeners can do between now and the next lesson is take a half a day put your phone, your watch, your clocks, everything out of sight and out of mind and just spend that time with God while you work in the yard, work on your house, fix something in the garage, whatever. But do not listen to the radio that tells you what time it is. Do not have your phone on hand or your watch or your clock. Just do it all with the intention of doing your task and being with God and see what happens. And then understand the next thing you want to take away from today's study is did you did you think more completely about cause and effect and how the one way that you can identify God's presence in a thing is when God is the cause. And if you're trying to understand whether God has intervened in your life or not, look for the thing that can't be explained as an effect that was caused by something or someone that you can touch or see and you know finally open your mind to the idea of time not being real okay i i don't know how else to say that what i'd love for you to do between now and the next episode is just try to understand that reality exists outside of time and space 
And what we are doing as earthbound beings is we are entering into a relationship with our timeless creator that is meant to culminate in us joining him outside of space and time. Yeah. And so while we exist for a time, for a while in space and time, it is because of our salvation through Christ, not all there is. It becomes, you know, and, and the reason I'm saying this is because if people could see their lives through that lens more clearly, if they'd see themselves as eternal beings, they might better manage some of life's difficulties, the sicknesses, the illnesses, even the deaths that we're not ready for. The, the, all of this is hard, and it's always going to be hard because love really will lead to pain sooner or later. It's just part of the deal. But at the same time, understanding that these are all part and parcel to being creatures of space and time. But we've been invited to be creatures that exist outside of space and time for all eternity. Mm -hmm. And that kind of outweighs our 50 or 75 or 100 years or our 10 years or whatever on Earth, you know? Well, hope you've been blessed, people. Uh, we've been blessed to present this to you. I, I trust that God will uh, impart something of great value to you if you'll think seriously about these things. We are blessed to do this as an outreach of Shiloh and uh, in Jasper, and we would like to see you there. If you're in the neighborhood, we hope you'll come and visit and join us for worship. You'll be blessed. You'll be met by friends, and you'll be encouraged and challenged. If you live further away, well, go to church somewhere. It is important to be part of a church community and to have physical contact with other Christians. You learn a lot, trust me. Also, if you are um, listening from someplace further away than Jasper, you know, we'd sure love to hear you, you know, just send us a note saying, hey, I'm listening and this is where I'm listening from. We ask this every week. Generally, don't get any replies. It's all right. But it's nice to hear from you. So, you know, take a moment to, to check us out. The easiest way to reach us is to go to uh, shilohum.org. That's S-H-I-L-O-H-U-M.org. And follow the links and you'll be able to click on my picture. There's a brand new picture of me on the screen. Brand new picture of Bethany on the screen. Click on my picture and you can write me a message. Love to hear from you. But for now, thanks a lot and God bless you and goodbye. Bye.